it's time. For the best damn radio show in all of Orange County. What's it called? The OC Show! Right here, right now, on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's right, folks. Here we are in Orange County, where the sun shines 354 days of the year. And even the recession can't keep us from driving our SUVs and drinking our lattes. And if Sandra Hutchins only knew what I had to do to drive from L.A. to Orange County during rush hour, she would most certainly arrest me sight unseen. And yes, the Republicans are still dead to me. Those tax-loving bastards. But I still have the O.C. Oh yeah, baby. Welcome. It is the OC Show. I am Cameron Jackson. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, the greatest radio station and really the greatest radio show in all of Orange County. So uh, it doesn't get any better than uh, the OC Show. Let's get some of the house cleaning out of the way today because that is what is very important if you want to continue listening or keep listening or listen later on. First of all, if you are in your car now and you are anxious to uh, listen to the show after the fact... Uh, or continue listening after you get out of your car. Go to KUCI.org, click in the upper right-hand corner, get streaming audio. Also, if you want to, you can listen to the show after after the show. You can go to theocshow.net and listen to your heart's content. You can also read some of my commentaries on my blog, and you see upcoming guests, past guests, etc., etc. Also, if you want to email me during the show, feel free to Cameron at theocshow.net. That's C-A-M-E-R-O-N at theocshow.net. Wonderful day here. You know, I did. I killed myself to get down here on time. The sheriff was supposed to be here. And uh, maybe there is an emergency. Maybe something is going on. But in her place, I always have a backup plan. Because Why? I am awesome. That is why. You will you will know that and learn that and be part of that uh, as long as you listen to this show. And uh, you, he really needs no um, explanation. He needs no introduction. He is the finest investigative reporter that Orange County has to offer, and it is R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly. Hello, Scott. Good afternoon. How are you? Am I acting sheriff today? You uh, apparently you are acting sheriff today, and in so this, I'm in her seat. So you are, and so um, we really don't have. Well, I can uh, kind of interview you a little bit and see what kind of is going on in the in the county, and I think we'll do that. Sure, but let's talk about some other things first. Let's let the audience wait for that. Do okay. you you want to you want to spend the hour here with me? Okay, yeah, live on the air. See, I would get him in here live on the air, no matter what, somehow, some way. Thank you very much. So, um, Scott. Uh, you know, I literally, I was driving like a banshee to get down here from L.A. So, I, because I am always prepared, I brought content for the show today just yes. in case something like this happened. Because you never know you with never your public know. officials. They uh, are sometimes, um, you know, doing whatever it is they do. I don't know. So, uh, there's a good article here from the Wall Street Journal that I'm going to put up on my website. I'm not going to talk about it today. But it's called How California Became France. Wonderful. Yeah, that's a good one. That'll work for the Orange County Republican Party. Uh, yes. Also, Dick Morris, is Obama spreading panic? That was, I'll put that one on the uh, website as well. You're full of cheer today. I am. I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here. I, it's, I figure I can go through everything now since I didn't get a chance to uh, when, you know, I was on my, um, I swear to God I was driving like a crazy man. Uh, people were honking at me. It was horrible. Uh, analysis. Obama plan brings cries of class welfare. That's another good one, but we won't be doing that one today. Uh, the 2% illusion. Now, we will be going over this one. I think this one is very, very important. Um, let's talk real quick about 
um, since Sandra Hutchins is not here, uh, let's talk about this grand jury report that's come out. And if you are just joining me on this and you have not been following this, uh, Sandra Hutchins, who is the sheriff of Orange County, has been under fire for the last... Uh, almost since inception, on the CCW permit issue. And the CCW permits essentially were saying that uh, people were given CCWs, concealed weapons permits, by Mike Corona during his tenure that should not have gotten them. They were political supporters, political hats, etc., etc. She came in to clean up the act of Mike Corona. And uh, that's it, probably where she could be right now. I mean, she could be cleaning that up still. She's a lot of, that's a lot of mess. That, that is a, a, a huge mess. And so um, it, in the midst of this, she has said that she was going to revoke about 400 permits. And that's what set off this huge debate of revoke or let expire. Right. Well, no, it was revoke initially. Okay. It was okay. revoke initially. And the revocation would have been very bad for the person because it would have come up as a black mark on their DOJ record. And who wants to have a black mark on their Department of Justice record, right? No, True. I don't. I'm sure you don't either. Well, whatever that means. Half of Mike Corona's campaign contributors <laughs> have black marks. <laughs> and his administration, their... actually. That's, that's true. <laughs> so, um, uh, so she came in and she cleaned up. Well, that started a firestorm. And I've said from the beginning, though, on this one, that... There are two issues here, and the, and the first issue is that the gun rights people are saying she's infringing upon the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. And I have said from the beginning on this one that that is not the case at all. This is not a Second Amendment issue because, because the Second Amendment says you have the right to bear arms. All of the courts have pretty much ruled in your home, in your place of work. Right. right. The, the carrying a concealed weapon outside of your home, outside of your work, is something that the state has pretty much had to govern. Right. So the state has said you have to have a permit for that. And in return, the sheriff is the one that doles out this permit. Nowhere in this has Sandra Hutchins said she's going to take your guns away from you or take you or let you not carry a concealed weapon around your house or around your home. So I've always said that right. this is a separate issue from the Second Amendment. Right. What this is, though, what this has been from the beginning, is Sandra Hutchins not understanding the political um, flavor, if you will, of Orange County and realizing that our demographic in Orange County is completely different than the demographic in L.A. and that the people in Orange County deserve a little bit more coddling when it comes to the CCW permit. There's only been about 1,400, 1,500 at the most out of a county of three, three, million. three or four million right. people, and most of... From what, my, what I understand, most of those people, or a lot, not most, but a chunk of those people are uh, um, from the wealthy Newport Beach, Corona Del Mar class that um, have high expectations for, for wanting to have a gun. And, well, and, and, and you know, fine. If, if, they are, if they're the political... Well, the reason I point that out is I think that's part of, of what's fueling, fueling the political side you, of it. it. Yeah, you've got the political class that is wealthy and used to getting its way, particularly with Mike Corona, where apparently, uh, you know, if you just wished to have a CCW, you got one. After you contributed to him, of course. Right, and, and she came in to clean that up. I think she could have gone about it a different way. She could have gone about it... Uh, more gingerly with the supervisors, maybe let them know ahead of time what she was doing, maybe consult them a little bit more. But ultimately, this had to go to a grand jury. This went to grand jury. The grand jury came out and said, look, leave her alone. The Board of Supervisors can't do anything about it. She's duly appointed by the Board of Supervisors and by law. She's the one who makes a CCW policy. Right. Leave her alone. She's not doing anything wrong. She's not outside of her jurisdiction. The problem, though, I think for her is that this becomes a huge political talking point later on down the line, and she's opening herself up to that elite Republican class no, to want to come after her. There's no doubt that yeah. this is the, 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 the weapon that's going to be used against her um, primarily. What I'm interested to see is what you've also raised, which is her handling of things. And um, so you have the CCW issue and whether it really has a lot of merit or not and then you have how she handles situations um whether she handles it well or not and you know quite frankly it, she's in a in a tough position i mean that's a big agency over there um with, it, with 10 years of indoctrination and inculcation by mike corona essentially right um 
and you know, I, I still think she's. I'm guessing she's still kind of feeling herself out here on how to well, play these things. And and really, it's got to be a much more insecure position to be an appointed interim sheriff than an elected sheriff, really, because you don't know what the future holds for you. And you are. I mean, she is in a particularly hostile county towards an outsider. Hands down, bottom line. We don't like outsiders in Orange County. Absolutely. You know, so uh, I think her road ahead is going to be a difficult road. And now she's got more, there, there is more fodder, so, so to speak, but, uh, coming up here. There's a, there's an, going back to the beginning of this, Mike Corona's policy on the CCWs was absurd. And it was absurd not really in the written form. It was absurd in the practice of it. And we learned that during his uh, corruption trial in federal court, where individuals that were hobnobbing with him, supplying him, introducing him to other wealthy people or women, um, were able to get uh, CCWs or real badges that didn't say anything like uh, volunteer anything. It actually said sheriff's badge, sheriff's deputy on it. And it was just a complete abuse of the system that was shameless. Those same people that are really angry with Sandra Hutchins never, ever had any problem with his abuse. And in fact, they took me on left and right for years defending Mike Corona. When she came in, she really had no, no choice but to bring some reality back to the situation. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, her other option would have been to cave in to Pat Bates and the other members of the Board of Supervisors and just give in to the political will of whatever. But knowing Orange County politics, like I believe I do, it wouldn't have worked anyway, because then she would have been uh, viewed as a sellout and, and this and that. Damned, her opponent, damned, if that's right. damned if you don't. Her opponents are looking for what they can on her. Whatever it is. And, you know, I, I do think that there's some issue, there are some lingering issues here. But when it comes to the substance of the CCW, I've yet to see what the big issue is. I, I, in fact, I've been told by people uh, that, that were once worried that, you know, I filled out the form and told them why I need it, and they... Oh, they, absolutely. They, pro I, they uh, yeah. processed the request. I have a friend who, who filled out his form and got one just the same. Right. And I'll tell you right now, it, it, this is a, a true case of the vocal minority because, like you said, there's only 1,400 permits uh, now, about 1,000 permits out there. That's like, I figured it out once. It's like 0.05% of the population. We're talking about such a minuscule portion of the population. It could come back. I know for a fact that the NRA is courting Potential candidates absolutely to come after her and that could be a potential dangerous situation for her. So she's you know And now we've got a new issue We've got a new issue that just came out in the paper today I don't know if you saw it and it was in the register by your good friend Tony Saavedra and uh, Tony uh, Brought up the fact that the jails are having a bail bonds issue and essentially what is the claim is at this point lingering issue lingering issue well apparently this is not just an orange county issue this is a, a sheriff's departments up and down the state have these issues and what is going on is essentially this it's it's a scheme called capping so you get arrested you go to jail and there's a big burly inmate waiting for you when you get there and he puts his arm around you and squeezes up tight against your buns and says boy I got a good bail bonds agency I think you should use. And, of course, uh, you being very intimidated and not knowing how the system works and certainly not wanting to tick this guy off uh, because, you know, bad things could happen to you there, uh, you use his bail bonds agency. And in return, he gets a kickback for that. Well, there are five bail bonds agencies that have come out now, and they are suing. They have put a claim in. They have not gotten to the lawsuit stage. They've put a claim in with the sheriff's department to say, we are intending to sue you for $100 million because that's how much money we have lost because you have not taken care of this capping issue in the jails. It's been, that issue's been there for years. Well, it was, a, it was an issue with Mike Corona. I mean, it was... It was Absolutely, and he, 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 did, he did nothing. He well, did nothing with it. Well, he had a... He, I, I'm sure... I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but I'm sure there was some kind of a scheme there between himself and Joe Cavallo. Well, to be honest with you, on, on that issue, uh, Corona semi gets a pass in, in one way, in that the best evidence of corruption from uh, guys in the green, the green machine, is that uh, a former assistant sheriff, George Jaramillo, called a group of these Orange County bail bondsmen together and brought Joe Cavallo in and set them down. And apparently the, the bail bonds people said at this point 
this is 2002, 2003 period, I believe, said, you know, this is the guy you should use, this attorney. And they all felt that, you know, that was intimidation um, by their part. So you've got two prongs of this. You've got, you've got the inmates that are the favorites of the deputies um, making some cash off of their time in jail. And then the unspoken thing we can't talk about that's been there from the beginning, the deputies that are involved. And that's what I think is going to be the problem institutional-wise, because to, to admit that the deputies have been at that certain very small few group of deputies have been on the take and allowing the practice to happen, that's going to be crisis for her. Well, and, you know, I'll be interested. I've, I've talked to a source from the uh, Orange County uh, Bell Bondsman Association, and, you know, their list of demands to the department, and they're not the ones suing. Let's get that straight right now. The Orange County... Bail Bondsman Association, they're not suing the department. It's five members, uh, five companies that are suing the department. Uh, some of them happen to be association members, but this isn't a, in a collusion kind of thing. But the association has very reasonable requests of, of the sheriff's department from what I have heard. And the requests are, one, that they start monitoring phone calls from the inmates to find out how this capping scheme is working. I know for a fact they do that in the San Diego jails already. They've been doing that for years. And number two, they put up signs, signage in the jails that say, hey, this is illegal. You can't do this. So those are some of the things that they're asking for. You, you also can't beat to death an inmate for 40 minutes and crush him, but that seems to have happened in that jail. Yes, well, you know, the jails... I'm not sure be... a sign would have helped in that particular <laughs> no, matter. Please don't beat the inmates. <laughs> please don't beat inmates to death. That's a bad, bad... Oh, man. So anyway, so, um, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how Sandra Hutchins deals with these things. How Absolutely. is she going to um, carry this on? How is she going to, is she going to investigate these things? Um, you, you know, one of the things that could potentially come out in a bail bonds investigation like this is that her own deputies are engaging in this. And that could be potentially a PR disaster. That's, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've heard her, com just like Corona and the other, uh, sh the sheriffs before her, uh, before him, uh, you know, they complain about the media and, and a guy like Tony Saavedra or whoever else, myself, that's looking into um, their problems. But it's, it's one of those things that they ought to clean it up themselves. I've, it's always been remarkable to me, to, remarkable to me that the people who should be the most angry about the abuses of Mike, uh, Mike Corona or George Jaramillo would be the deputies who earned, who, who spent all that time training and all those years on the patrol. And then here doling out badges to rich guys they're partying with. They should be the ones pissed off more than any, anyone else. Well, you know, and there may be that anger. I, you know, frankly, I don't, I've never heard that anger from them. Um, you would think that there would be that anger, but I think, you know, you get, I was a cop, you get into that and you make excuses and there's that code of silence and we don't want to, you know, make anybody look bad and we're always worried about what's going to happen to us. That's a, that's the number one killer of information getting out but of departments. Those, those guys in the jail, um, just stopping at, at the early Sandra Hutchins phase, look at the millions of dollars they were taking in overtime. Those guys make a lot of money in the jail. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really the front-line guys in the jail, the, the uh, sergeants or whoever, the guys that are running the jail over the deputies. It's their responsibility to uh, deal with this. But you've got a system where they're promoted and they've been doing it themselves. I, you know, I, I don't know how you clean it out. Well, it, you know, it, it takes many, many years, and when you have a culture that's brought up this way and, it, and it's been inculcated this way for the last nine, ten years, and maybe before that. But we're also dealing with the reality gap. The sh there were sheriff's department officials who told us after the district attorney's incredible 89-page summary report of all of the stuff that jail deputies were doing that wasn't work. Uh, they never, they claimed they'd never heard of shot callers. Well, that's and yet everybody that comes out of that jail would admit to you there are certain individuals the deputies allow to roam free and to govern. I have and, clients. But, I have clients that I have yeah. that have explained the shot caller process. More than one client that has explained the shot caller process to me. Hell, one of my, one of my clients was offered the job. There you go. So, you know, 
Uh, it's, it's it's a tough, the thin blue line, is that what they call it? The thin green line over there? Yeah, green. If you're just joining us, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Cameron Jackson. This is the OC Show, the finest, greatest radio station in all of Orange County. And this is the greatest radio show in all of Orange County, frankly. Um, we've got a very special guest here today, our Scott Moxley. He's joining me in studio. Uh, we were supposed to have Sandra Hutchins in here, but I guess she uh, bugged out. She decided that... Uh, she couldn't stand the heat in here, I guess. I don't know. I've been watching the camera right here. She's not shown up. So uh, before we go to a break, because in the last 10, 15 minutes, we want to talk about some of the upcoming things you're working on, what's mm-hmm. brewing, simmering in the background. But I found this wonderful, wonderful commentary from a gentleman named Mark Patlin, or Patlin, whichever way you want to say it. He's a San Clemente businessman, and he wrote a commentary for the Register. And... Um, I know we're kind of worlds apart when it comes to our politics, aren't we? No. No? We're pretty much the same? Well, no, but not worlds apart. We're not worlds apart. Okay. And um, actually, for uh, a, a liberal journalist, you're the most... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're the most level-headed liberal journalist I've ever met. <laughs> God love you. And, um, but anyway, he wrote... A, I, I, I read his commentary, and it's about California and our budget problem and our budget mess. And it's so well written and, mm-hmm. and, and states so well, it echoes many of the things that I've been talking about on this program, which makes me feel good that either A, he's listening to me, which he probably isn't, or B, uh, there are like-minded individuals out there. And that makes me feel a little bit more comforted. What's the gist of his column? What's the... We're going to go through it oh, right okay. now. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't typically like to read these things on the air all the way through from start to finish. And I'll break it up for you people, but... This is the OC show, baby. We can do whatever we want here. <laughs> so uh, this is from Mark Patlin. Cheers to him. The latest state budget deal represents a failure of government. The deal burdens overtaxed Californians with higher taxes and does little to rein in reckless state spending. Californians of both parties have been betrayed by irresponsible lawmakers of both parties. It is time for California taxpayers to seize the moment and to succeed where lawmakers have failed by declaring independence from the two-party system and restricting state spending. I like that already. Very nice. Yes. And, you know, chances of succeeding? Uh, very little. Okay. Very little. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not encouraged at all. The structural bu- budget deficit remains untouched, and proposed spending caps will prove toothless in the face of special, special interests that demand ever more taxpayer dollars. Most Californians don't realize that the size of government in California has doubled in the past 10 years and increased 40% in the last five years. Spending is clearly out of control. That is one of the things... Oh, the woman of the hour is here. You know what? I'll take a quick break, folks, and when we come back, the sheriff of Orange County. So hang on real quick. We will be right back. How are you? Very good. And welcome back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is The OC Show with Cameron Jackson right here, right now. And just remember, the opinions and views expressed in The OC Show do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. And just remember, folks, I am your Superman. All right, enough of that. So, if you're just joining us in studio today, as promised, see, I promised you that this would happen, and it did, uh, is the Sheriff of Orange County, Sandra Hutchins. Sandra, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Cameron. How are you? Good. You are, were in the same boat I was, except I probably broke many more laws than you getting here. Uh, you <laughs> obviously drove the speed limit because you were a little bit late, but you got stuck in some traffic. That's right. I, that's proof. I'm late, so I must have been driving the speed that's limit. That's right. That's right. And also, too, you, the heat is much less. You have a half an hour less heat now than uh, if you had been here the full hour. Okay. So we'll keep it easy. So um, last time you were in the show was about August. Yeah. You'd been on the job, was he June, July? A uh, few Ju- months. A Ju- yeah. couple months. Yeah. Um, what, back then, the focus was um, the jails 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you did your audit of the jails, right? Um, and, and that was occurring at that time. Right. So let's kind of pick up there. What what's happened with the jails as far as that audit is concerned? Right. Well, we came uh, back with the audit. Uh, it was uh, a lot of documents that came out of that, and 115 uh, recommendations for changes to be made in the jail. Uh, some of those had to do with uh, delivery of services to the inmates. Some of those had to do with staffing. Uh, and some of those had to do with us delivering the job in a more efficient manner. Uh, one of the things that came out of that is that we were 500 personnel short in the jail. Uh, and I'm concerned about that. Uh, but yeah, and it the, and couldn't have come at a worse time, though, with the budget the way it is. Yeah, and that's been a big sticking point for yeah. people like Stephen Greenhut over at the register right. saying, oh, just another excuse to, to expand the payrolls of the sheriff's department. Um, what are you going to – does that mean 500 new deputies? Is that just no. 500 500- – now, one of the staffing uh, recommendations that came out of that was that I could staff 35% of that gel with a civilian-type classification. Uh, that's less costly and takes less time to train. Uh, and so that will be a tremendous cost savings to the county. W- what came out of that staffing study, it was never done before. The inmate-to-employee to ratio in that jail is 34 inmates to one uh, jail employee. The national average is 14 to 1. Really? So, so it, you're, yeah. you're behind so, by double. Basically. Exactly. And so here's the issue with the jail, you know, uh, and, and, and the issue with the overtime in the jail. Uh, you have fixed post positions in a jail, meaning uh, if you take a vacation day or, uh, you know, you're out sick, I can't say, well, I'm not going to staff that module tonight. You know, I'm going to let the inmates run the module, which has been another subject of discussion, as I understand. Uh, you don't do that. You have to fill those positions 24-7. Uh, And so that's where overtime comes in. So we never had substantial staffing to take care of that relief factor, if you will. Uh, And so that's that's how they came up with the numbers. Uh, And they're very legitimate numbers. If you take the deputy sheriffs and the other jail employees that we were down, according to that study, and you multiply out the overtime we used, uh, it fits. You know, the overtime that was used in those jails was to fill those vacant positions. So you're saying that... The amount of overtime that was spent could have paid for 500 additional employees? I'm saying if you look at the positions they said we were down I see. and you look at the overtime that was expended, uh, it makes sense. Uh, you know, that's what the overtime was being spent for. Yeah, on the issue of the overtime, I, I've brought the overtime down, by the way, quite a bit throughout the department. Yeah, there was another story about that. How much had yeah. been, what did the paper allege on the, I, well, I the paper, the article, if you're referring to the article in the register, talked about the high income, the high overtime earners. And here's the deal. Uh, I, they were if they were authorized to work that overtime and they're working a position that's that's that is needed to be filled then i don't have an issue with the amount of money if they're working the hours anybody working overtime hours has been directed to it should get paid for working that overtime the bigger question for me is from a management perspective is that overtime needed you know and so a, a supervisor authorizes that overtime and so i that was my concern the other concern is did we have deputies working overtime to the point point of a fatigue factor i think we did and we put overtime controls in place so that they cannot work over a given number of hours in a, in a pay period strictly from from a fatigue factor how much has the department saved then since you've impl- implemented these changes um, you know we're saving about uh, four in the in the jails about 4000 hours of overtime a pay period a two week pay period so we're saving substantial we just took a look at the numbers in fact today and across the department Department, we've saved, uh, we've reduced our overtime through better management. Now, uh, up north, uh, your old alma mater there, um, Lee Baca at the right Los LHES. Angeles Sheriff's Department. Thank you. Um, he has come out now and said because of the budget cuts, mm-hmm. he's going to have to start letting people go, and he's, he's he's kind of propelling this notion that we should be fearful that they're going to let people go up in L.A. And I read recently that in music, you actually closed a couple of tent. Right. Uh, jail facilities there right is that something we need to worry about are are we going to see inmates being let go here in orange county because of budget issues right uh you know i want to do everything i can to prevent that from happening uh our jail population usually runs around 65 6600 average daily population right now it's down to about 5900 
Um, so we looked at it. We're looking at ways where we can save money today because we're looking at a, a big budget shortfall coming up. Uh, we want to do everything we can do not to impact delivery of services, not to cause early release of inmates. So where I can save money, I'm going to save money immediately. Uh, and so I can save um, quite a bit of money by shutting down those tents, and I'm not having to release any inmates early at this point. How many inmates uh, lived in those tents? You know, I don't have the total uh, total number, but uh, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. All right. You and, and you also are curtailing uh, the helicopter service as well? Yes, we're going to ground some of the helicopter service, uh, about 50% of that, and all, you know, to save money. So we, so we don't have to get into an early release uh, posture. We don't have to reduce essential patrol services out there. Where does the majority of the money for the department get spent? Is it spent on personnel or is it spent on jail operations? Personnel is, yeah, personnel is, is the highest uh, on, in terms of our budget. Um, you know, we have our contracts. We have 12 contract cities. We have contracts with Orange County Transportation Authority, uh, contracts with the court. Those are cost recovery, so you can't touch those with the budget. You know, the big ticket item is going to be the operation of the jails, and that's why you hear Lee Baca talking about, you know, having to close the jail because uh, when you have contracts, you can't touch those contracts. Uh, we, we still have to have radio cars respond to calls for service so uh that's that's those are essential services along the lines of the jails again another i mean it's just one after the other they keep coming up um the the bail bondsmen uh five bail companies are have put a claim in to the mm -hmm. sheriff's department for a hundred million dollars stating that uh essentially there's a capping system going on the inmates are bullying people to go mm -hmm. to certain bail bonds companies What's the sheriff's department going to do about well, this? Well, here's the we've been we've been doing something about this because we've been meeting with the bail bondsmen who filed the civil claim. We've been meeting with the bail bondsmen association on a regular basis to discuss issues that come up. Uh, we've asked these particular folks um, to give us some information on it. You know, give, you know, if you've got some information, give it to us. We'll launch an investigation. Uh, and so we are prepared. If they've got information, we will look into it. I haven't gotten to that point yet, you know. I'll be happy to look into it if I've got something substantial that, you know, they can say, hey, this deputy or, you know, this is occurring on such and such a date or talk to this inmate who was in there, we'll be happy to launch an investigation. What do you think, what would you do if you found out that it was systemic with deputies? Would that be something you would come down hard on? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, you can't disagree. I, I've been transparent about what I'm doing. I am opening this department up to anybody who wants to come take a look. We're not hiding from anything. I've got nothing to hide from. If, if we've got people that are not doing what they're supposed to do, we're going to deal with them. What do you think um, has been the most difficult part of coming into this department? And I'll break that down into two sections, one mm -hmm. politically and one with the culture of the department that you came into um, with, you know, essentially nine years of corona and what, we, what we've mm -hmm. learned that was all about? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's difficult to come into a department where you didn't grow up. So you, you uh, don't necessarily, every department has its culture, and I'm not using culture in a negative context. Everybody has their culture. I understand. Um, and so you come into an agency, and you're not familiar with that. It takes a while uh, to learn what that culture is. Um, and so that, that's a challenge, but that's a challenge if you go in to take over a company, you've got the same kind of challenge there. Um, my a way of dealing with that is I get out there face-to-face -face with people. I've just gone through uh, command inspections of our, all of our patrol force. When I go out and I talk individually to all the personnel one-on-one, -on -one, I tell them what my expectations are. I hear from them, you know, what they've done for the department, what they've done for the community. So um, that's how you, you, that's how you, you get past that you know you got to get out there and you have to learn it my predecessor didn't do that quite frankly yeah. uh, you know you won't see that in the paper but as i go around the department i have comments like i didn't see a sheriff in nine years the sheriff never came to talk to me i think that's wrong what um <laughs> politically on this how, how has that been a change for you because you you came from the upper ranks of the la sheriff's department mm -hmm. where you were kind of 
you didn't have to deal with this outside political force of Board of Supervisors and citizens. Well, yeah, I, but I did. I, I did have to deal with that. Certainly not as the candidate, right. you know, and that's that's much different. But I certainly dealt with politics in my 30 years with Lally County Sheriffs. Uh, I understand that part of it. Um, you know, I, I, I won't lie to you, I'm much more comfortable running the sheriff's department than doing the political side, but I'm not naive. I understand this is a political position. Um, and I get out in the community five, six times a week, and I talk to community, community groups. Uh, I take my lead from them. You know, we tailor our law enforcement to what the community wants. And uh, that's what I'm doing. I want, to, I want the community to be part of this department. So one of the things I do when I go out and talk to them is I talk about what the department does. A lot of people don't have any concept of all the things that we're engaged in. And I talk about transparency. What about um, the CCW permit? This, is, this <laughs> has occupied a, a large amount of your time lately. And, uh, and I've been fascinated to hear your thoughts on it. Um, one of the things that I've said uh, throughout this show, uh, that since this has been an issue, is that I think this is the, the, there are two different issues here. The Second Amendment issue is really kind of separate from the CCW issue. Exactly. And uh, I think that's kind of what you, the premise mm-hmm. that you have been rolling under this entire time, too. Right. Can, you, can you talk about and, and give the listeners some insight as to what you came into when you received this department? Mm-hmm. Uh, from the beginning and the CCW right. permit issue, and then how you went about trying to resolve it. Of course. Well, you know, as a resident, I've been a resident of this county for 15 years. As a resident, uh, prior to getting involved in the appointment process, I was reading the articles in the paper about a $1,000 campaign co- contribution for a gun and a badge. Now, I don't know whether that was true or not, uh, but I was asked the question, when I went in for my interview with the board, you know, how will you approach the issue of issuing concealed weapons permits? And I said, I'll look at the good cause criteria. And so when I did get into office, I thought it was important for me to look at those concealed weapons permits based on the allegation that they were given for campaign contributions. So I looked at all those, reviewed the good cause criteria, because that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about a law in the state of California that prohibits you from carrying a concealed weapon permit. So there's a law that allows a sheriff or any police chief to to make an exception to that law and issue you a permit to carry a concealed weapon. From my common sense approach, You have to demonstrate to me that you have some special circumstance because I'm giving you a privilege that not everybody else in the county has. You know, it's against the law. So there are some that would like to use the sheriff to find a way around that law that they don't like. Uh, What I would say to them is, you know, I'm going to follow the law. It's been politically, it's been very tough, but it's the right thing to do. And so that's why I did it. It's the absolute correct and legal thing to do if I expect my deputy sheriffs to follow the law every day they're out there on the street. Well, the sheriff better be following the law. Do you think that, um, because there's been a lot of argument that I had, I've had Chris Norby on the show. He's obviously very upset with you. Even John Morlock is, is, is upset with how this has panned out. Do you, is there any way that you would have changed how you went about doing this? Uh, presenting it to the board, presenting it to the public so it would become more palatable? I don't think it would have been palatable no matter what I did. Uh, It's always difficult to take something away that's been given. What was difficult, I think, for people to understand was, you know, well, how could this be wrong if a sheriff could do it? If Sheriff Corona could issue these CCWs and, you know, nothing came down from on high to say that, oh, my gosh, he did something wrong, Uh, Nobody comes in and and inspects the sheriff's CCWs. Uh, The attorney general doesn't come down to see if I'm applying the law correctly. Uh, And so I think it was difficult for people to understand that. Uh, When I'm saying he wasn't wasn't looking at good cause criteria. Are you, um, but are you still issuing permits? Of course. I, if, if, you, if someone comes to me, and I don't look at them personally because I don't want to know who's applying. I don't want there to be any hint that I'm giving it to some and not giving to others based on who they are in the community. Uh, I have staff that does that. If they have a question about it, they bring it up without a name. You know, if they have a question about the good cause criteria. But yes, I've issued several since I've been in office. Uh, under Brad Gates... Brad Gates issued a few hundred. My Corona issued 
eleven, twelve hundred. I'm about seven or eight hundred. So I, I wouldn't say I have a restrictive policy. I would say I have a pretty middle of the road policy. And you can look at my policy and other policies around the state and you're gonna find they're very similar. Do you worry? I've heard, I've gotten word that the NRA is is, is uh, courting other potential candidates. Mm-hmm. Are, are you worried about the NRA? No, I trust the public. I don't think that's the kind of sheriff that the public of Orange County wants. That's not what I hear when I go out and talk to the community. Yeah, what are the community members the saying? The community members are saying you're doing the right thing when it comes to the concealed weapons permits. You know, you're following the law. We appreciate what you're doing. That's what I'm hearing. And so, and here's what I say. You know, if the NRA wants to run a candidate against me and the voters want to vote for that person, then I'm not the right person for this job. All right. But I don't think that's the case. All right. You mind if you mind if Scott Moxley asks one question? He's asked to ask a question. I can don't. He, he, Scott can ask me any question he wants. Scott's in here. He's, he's standing behind my back. So you get one. Don't make her mad. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. One of the things that, that uh, when you first uh, took over the job that concerned me was a letter that went to District Attorney Tony Rakakis uh, involving a deputy who was allegedly a pedophile and ultimately committed suicide in a parking mm-hmm. garage. And there was a line in there that really kind of choked me, which was basically something to the effect of, um, you shouldn't be questioning our procedures in the Sheriff's Department. And what choked me about it was the deputy had access to your computer records, um, there was apparently uh, numerous problems with the investigation in terms of other deputies con- uh, giving this other deputy who was under investigation information. And in terms of that, that's something that just kind of stuck out with me. And I'm wondering if I read that wrong or it was. Just I think you that- read it wrong because okay. you know I never, you know, never have said uh, don't, you know, keep your nose out of our business. That was never my intent. There were other issues in that letter. Uh, I think I got that letter the first week I was in office. Uh, I, I, I didn't know all the history behind everything. But the letter, uh, the tone of the letter, I think, was grossly distorted. I'm happy to work with the district attorney's office. In fact, I want to work with the district attorney's office. I'm happy to work with the Office of Independent Review. You know, they've, they're entrenched in, in, in our uh, department. Uh, we call them out if we have a deputy-involved shooting, use of force. You know, I welcome that. So I was quite surprised at the reaction to that letter. I think it was distorted, to, quite frankly. Yeah. If you're just joining us, you listen to KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show with Cameron Jackson. That is me, of course. I'm here speaking with uh, Sandra Hutchins. She is the Orange County Sheriff uh, sitting in the studio with us. And you just heard his voice was R. Scott Moxley from The Weekly. Um, you know, one of the other things we talked about last time when you were here, and I want to get an update from you, is this DNA lab mm-hmm. thing. I am hearing just oodles and oodles and oodles of information coming out of the courthouse, how the district attorney is getting DNA samples from people. He's dismissing cases. If you give DNA samples, he's really pushing this DNA lab, DNA database on his end. Where are we at with that? Is, is there a... Is, it, push poll where is are you going to keep the dna is he going to get the dna how is it going to work well right now uh there are three of us that are overseeing the crime lab uh, myself the ceo tom mock and uh the, the district attorney tony rakakis we are looking at expanding dna to property crimes uh we're, we've already done that but we want to expand it more and and utilize dna particularly in property crimes so that's uh, we're overseeing the lab operations, and that's pretty much it. As far as the database, I guess you'd have to ask Tony Rakakis those questions. So, but do you, have you heard that, the, that he's databasing, that they're doing their own DNA database? Well, he has had a, a, a database for some time uh, on property crimes, and uh, you know, I, I, beyond that, I don't know. I don't know if he's continuing to do that or not. All I can tell you is that we were we are overseeing the crime lab operations. We're looking at expanding that to property crime DNA. Do you think that the sheriff uh, should be the sole holder of of the crime lab? Do you think that they should or can they share that with the district attorney? Because it seems to me that it would be a conflict of interest for the district attorney who's prosecuting these crimes to have any kind of control over that. Well, you know, that whole question about the conflict of interest is being looked at on a nationwide basis, quite frankly. Uh, the National uh, Science Board has taken a look at that uh, and, and, you know, to come, 
trying trying to decide where it best belongs. You know, does it belong belong as an independent agency, or does it belong, you know, with the sheriff, or does it belong with the district attorney? Not not just in Orange County. I'm talking about on a nationwide basis. So we're going to be part of that discussion. Uh, I can say for right now, it's working out um, with three of us overseeing the operations. Uh, our goal is to make sure that we have the most efficient and effective operation going. And uh, I don't, none of us becomes involved in the, the legal or the science of it. Um, we're strictly have from an administrative uh, standpoint. Um, going back to the CCW, and I forgot to ask this question because we got sidetracked, but I, we had a situation and this was what Chris Norby came and talked about, where there were several, uh, there was a potentially a threat from the Second Amendment crowd. They were going to protest by carrying open carry, op- yeah. open carry, mm-hmm. uh, open holsters and whatnot. And the response from the department was to send in uh, undercover officers, um, regular officers in, mm-hmm. in their uniform, and to uh, selectively pick out people um, to talk to, frisk. And whatnot, and during that uh, particular meeting, uh, there were text messages exchanged mm-hmm. between members of, of of your command staff and other FBI agents and other deputies in the room that weren't very flavorful for either. Uh, yeah, I don't know about any FBI agents. That's the first I heard about I, I that. Thought, I thought I, I thought I read that, but uh, they, there was some bad. Well, things. We won't drag them into we'll this. Drag, okay, good. We'll keep them in. But um, there were some things that were said about Janet Wynn. There were some things that were said about a particular protester right. there. What was your response to that? Well, you know, it was inappropriate. It's inappropriate. It's you know, if we're going to look at strictly, it's a county-owned piece of equipment. Should people have been text messaging personal comments like that? Absolutely not. Did they intend for it to become public and embarrass anybody? Absolutely not. Uh, but it was inappropriate, and I and I and I uh, counseled the people that were involved in that activity, uh, and made it very clear it's not appropriate to do that. Uh, and so. You know that was that was pretty much it. Uh, we, if you want to talk about why we had additional security there that day, there were a number of things going on that day. Both Supervisor Wynn and Supervisor Campbell were being sworn in. There was a number of people attending for that purpose. About a week before, we had a protest. Uh, not a protest, but we had a lot of county employees show up at the fifth floor offices. Uh, they were very orderly. There was no problem. Uh, but we were anticipating perhaps we would have a repeat because we were going through layoff notices at that point. Uh, we also had information that open carry, these are people that would come in with a weapon on their hip, which is perfectly legal as long as it's not loaded. But they would not be allowed inside of the uh, Board of Supervisors chamber. So our goal was just to make sure everybody could, you know, exercise their First Amendment rights, because as you know, it only takes one person that could, that could disrupt an entire situation. So we just wanted to have enough personnel on board to deal with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I have to admit, I was openly critical of the tactics mm-hmm. that were used in that, and it, mm-hmm. in the paper was as well. Do you think that going forward in the future, there will be that same kind of response if something similar comes well, up? Well, you know, I, I would say this. Uh, you know, in the future, we and, and we did communicate to the board by email what we were doing. Uh, in the future, I guess we'll, we'll do a face-to-face with them if we were going to increase security there. But I would have to tell you, had we not up the security that day and something happened, you and I would be having sure, a much sure. different conversation today. Yeah, You'd be good. asking me, Sheriff Hutchins, right. why were you not prepared to deal with that incident? Don't your officers have the yeah, training? That's, that's law enforcement for you. Damn that's right. You do, damn that's you right. So. Let's talk then uh, about a few other things. What What do you think has gone really well so far? What do you When you look back at the changes that you've made, what are you most mm-hmm. proud of at this point? Well, you know, I, I'm proud that uh, when I went out and talked to the, the city managers of our contract cities, and quite frankly, I've talked to all of our contract partners, and when I go out and talk to the community, what I'm hearing is that our deputy sheriffs are doing a really good job out there. When the uh, audit team went through the jail uh, and they talked about the work that our folks are doing, they're, they're working very hard to get the job done in the jail, which is a very difficult job with not enough staff. I talked about the staffing numbers earlier. So they're trying to get things done. They're working very hard to do it. Uh, that's what I see every day when I go out there. Um, and so I'm very, I'm very happy to see that. You know, people are, are proud 
to be members of this department. The morale has improved. It's hard, as you know, when you come behind, when you, when you have a scandal on a department and you have to wear that uniform and everybody feels the pain of that scandal. I don't care if it happens at the sheriff level, if it's a deputy sheriff that makes a mistake uh, or does something inappropriate, we all feel that pain. And so, um, you know, I'm just happy to see that I think we're on the right track. Uh, you know, we're going to make this department better. Uh, we are not afraid of controversy. We will stand up when we make a mistake. I will take accountability for that, and I'll hold the people who are involved accountable for that. You know, law enforcement, high-risk profession. There's going to be mistakes made. The important thing is, do we address those mistakes? Do we deal with them when they come up? A couple more questions before we're done. We only have about a minute left. Um, what has been the best part of the job? Well, you know, I love uh, law enforcement. It's what I've done my entire career. It's uh, This is probably the biggest challenge of my life is being the sheriff, uh, but it's the biggest joy. It's It really is an honor to serve as the sheriff of Orange County. All right, and I, I have to ask you, what's the worst part? Come on. The worst? Be honest. Be honest. The worst part is probably getting up in the morning and seeing if you're in the paper or not that day. I used to look forward to reading the Register and the LA Times, and now I, I kind of sneak up to it. <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. Yeah, I guess your life gets turned inside out when you're right, a public figure, exactly. doesn't it? But that's, that's part of the game. Next thing you know, you'll be in the tabloids. We'll be watching what you're shopping for and all that good God, stuff. God, I hope not. <laughs> outstanding. Well, uh, Sandra Hudgens, Sheriff of Orange County, thank you so much for making it in here. You're a real trooper. I know you battle the traffic. You're battling a cold. Um, thank you for putting up for me with me for the last uh, half an hour. No I do problem. appreciate it. I no hope you'll problem. come back and give us another update in a, in a while. I'd be happy to. Outstanding. You are listening to The OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am, of course, your host, as always. Coming up next, it is, um, well, it's with Jeremy, and it's Disco for Your Soul, I believe, with Jeremy. I hope I got that right. If I didn't, I apologize, Jeremy, but I love Jeremy. I love his music. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks again. Thank you again to Scott Moxley for coming in here, too. Bye-bye.